0: Well, I, that was a big one. Uh, Twenty to nineteen, uh, Alabama uh, gets—I uh, <laughs> don't want to say gets lucky because they executed at the end. Sure uh, but I tell I'm you right what, here. Rod Babers, uh, what did you think of that uh, that game today? Alabama outlasting Texas, Texas with its chances, uh, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. Rod, can you hear me right now, Bud? I think we'll wait until Rod. Rod's still having some technical difficulties. Uh, Matt, could you uh, check on him with us? Uh, but wow, what a game! Twenty to nineteen, uh, Longhorns lose uh, barely, and I mean barely uh, from uh, from uh, DKR today. Uh, Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman champion, uh, put it on the line and and made it happen when it counted most. Uh, had two fourth quarter drives to to create ten points uh, for the Crimson Tide, but it wasn't. Uh, For lack of effort on the Longhorns' part, the Texas defense absolutely played uh, terrific. Yes, they had a couple of, uh, uh, yes, they absolutely had a couple of um, uh, miscues late, maybe with the missed tackle by Ryan Watts. But come on, that defense for the Longhorns played balls out all afternoon uh, and really got them going. Um, Matt, do you think Rod's ready to go now? Rod, are you there, bud?
1: here. Can you guys hear me?
0: Yeah, barely. You're a little light, little light.
1: Am I a little low?
0: There, there you go, Rod. First impressions,
1: heartbreaker for the Longhorns, twenty to nineteen. Uh, yeah. Usually, I'm not one to believe in moral victories. (laughs) I don't like that kind of stuff, right? I like the old Sean Connery quote from The Rock, right? Uh, losers they whine about their best, but winners go home and bang the prom queen. Um, that's usually what I like to go with that kind of attitude, but uh honestly man I haven't saw this kind of fight from a Texas squad in a long time and I saw it at at a lot of different levels and I saw it in all phases even at the end there my man Burt Arbin. I mean I was actually texting with Raul Allegra and we were Raul <laughs> was like man he's he's making me nervous and we were talking about the kicking game and Raul was like I hope he gets it and he ended up getting the kick. Uh, you know, so I, I don't believe in moral victories. We cannot go, can't stoop that low. All right, basically that would make us Aggies. Uh, but man, I have not held my head this this high uh, in terms of being proud of this squad in a long time. I got to take credit. It, it really is, man. It's touching. Like I'm, I'm emotional. I'm emotional right now watching that defense and watching yep. those guys step up. Anthony Cook making plays down the stretch. And, and, and a great play call, by the way. Uh, PK to roll the dice with the cornerback blitz it was there. That was it. He did it, man. That was, he put the players in the perfect position to make plays. You just missed it. Hey, that's the best player in the country, by the way, defending Heisman trophy winner. So he made a damn great play and ended up, you know, getting his team to win. Uh, but I have not been this proud, Bobby, of this team in a long time. I cannot think about how long it's been since I've been this proud of this team. The starting quarterback goes down. Talk about adversity. And we need Hudson Carr to step up. And I know the attitude of Longhorn fans when Hudson Carr went out there. I was with him. I was out there with him at the time. And uh, Longhorn fans got a little down. It got a little low. And even Steve Sarkisian's play calling, it changed a little bit. It got conservative. But I think at one point, Sark said to himself, listen. Um, if I, if I actually get conservative, if I get to, if I go into the point where I don't put my guys in a position to win, if I'm not aggressive, if I'm not thinking about winning and beating Bama, then they won't either. And the, 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 play calling got more aggressive, Hudson Card stepped up and made some big throws and some big plays. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I haven't felt this good after a loss in a long time. So it feels strange. I'm not going to lie to you. It feels weird. Right, <laughs> I came, I came. I want you to know, I came this close to having to shave my head. <laughs> oh, did you make that bet? Uh, I you made. Bet? I
0: made a prediction of fifty-two to seven. I thought they were gonna just wail on Texas today. <laughs> um, I multiple impressed across multiple ways. With yeah, them. man. Um, not only uh Steve Sarkeesian's play calling in the first half with Quinn Ewers, I thought they kept them in the game uh, and didn't let uh uh Bama get off in running, even though they had that eighty-one yard touchdown run. Yeah. Uh, and from there. Uh, there were just a number of different aspects that I thought Texas uh, really did a good job coaching. And like you said, he brought Hudson card along well in that game. I thought, even though uh, Hudson uh, frankly, you know, was injured for much of it. I mean, that was a gutsy performance by Hudson card, uh, the backup quarterback as well. Uh, We want to get into all the stats. I've got to thank our sponsors first and foremost, because they're helping us out make this a reality, not only with uh, rod being here, uh, but also uh, with uh, with uh, Matt, our producer. Uh, thank you to Laura Baker. The post-game show is brought to you by accomplished Austin realtor, Laura Baker. Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Uh, she is a good person uh, on top of that and someone I've talked to a couple of times now that uh, just wants to do the best for people. Rod, uh, let's start uh, with, I wanted to start really with uh, your your thoughts on the atmosphere of the game. Um, um, the students were there two and three hours before. I've 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 been at Texas games since I was. I, I've been going. I guess my first one was I was seven. Never seen students yeah. there that early
1: ever. Yeah, um, actually, we were talking about that, too, that how the students were there. Uh, Brian Davis of the Austin American Statesman came on the pregame with us. Uh, So did my man Jeff Howe Both remarked that the students were there early, that it was a line and not a line to go to game day or any other of the extravagant, uh, you know, kind of ideas and things that were going on. It was about to get into the stadium because they wanted to be there because they believed that not only could they make an impact on the game, um, but I think they they thought they were going to be there to witness something special, um, and there were a lot of Longhorn fans that had that feeling that they were going to witness something special that the Longhorns were going to pull off the victory. I was down there on Bevo Boulevard with a lot of fans, and uh, kudos to CDC and to Jay Hartzell and to Kevin L Tyfe, uh, kind of the Holy Trinity behind the scenes there uh, because we had we had uh, Coach Schaefer on the show. And he talked about you know the standard now at Texas after winning two directors cups, and he said uh, we we basically finished as a top five you know kind of women's basketball team in the country, and yet on the campus of Texas we weren't in the top ten sports because ten of the twenty intercollegiate sports at Texas finished in the top two, right? And that's the standard that CDC and those guys are starting to set and. I think today was a huge step forward for the football team, which by the way, you've won two director's cups and the football team hasn't really been a part of that. And this, this is why it was a, to me, this was a showcase for Texas football and yes, they lost the game. So I'm not, we go, we'll break it all down and talk about how they could have won the game, but it was a showcase about the new era of Texas fight and, I saw a ton of fight out there. I'm sure Longhorn fans were excited about it. And like I said before the game, I'm with you. I've never experienced anything like it. Texas LSU wasn't on this level either. And this was a 11 a.m. kickoff. I'm mean, imagining this thing was a was a 7 p.m. kickoff, Bobby. I they 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 deserve um, plaudits. I know they lost, and
0: I know it's a it's a heartbreaking loss. Uh, they can't let it uh, get to them and have it carry over to next week. Amen. No clue right now. On the extent of uh, Quinn Ewer's injury, by the way, Uh, he was out on the field after the game or during the game in the second half. Um, He did not for a long time have a sling on his shoulder, did not have ice on his shoulder. Then a fourth quarter shot. He was in a sling. I'm wondering whether or not he was in the concussion protocol or what he was in. Uh, Rod, um, boy, I I tell you what, a couple of things I was wrong about. uh, Number one is the score prediction. I, I gladly eat throw on that. I'll gobble that all day long uh, because nobody wants to see Texas do better than I do. Uh, at the same time, what 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 would have been again with another Texas quarterback with an injury in the first half? In the first quarter. I mean, what wow. the heck? Talk about I mean, Brownhouse. Do you know, <laughs> you know that Quinn Ewers had more, more yards passing heading into the fourth
1: quarter than Bryce Young? That is mind blowing. Yeah, because you're right. Pretty much for that last two drives for Bryce Young, those last couple of drives, that's when they abandoned the running game. How about they went five wides? They yeah. went five wides. Bobby, think about this. Texas defense was so stout against the run. Alabama abandoned the running game in the fourth quarter and decided, no, nah, we're just going to put the hands in. will put the, the ball in the hands of Bryce Young. We'll put the game in his hands and let him go win it. And that's, that's exactly what he did, by the way. Um, but I don't know who I'm more impressed with because Sark. You start off with that Quinn Ewers game plan. And I went and looked, you know, I haven't charted everything yet. I'm going to go back and watch the game and chart everything. Um, But I said I wanted to see one of the most innovative, creative game plans that Sark has ever implemented. Right. I said I want to see that early on. I want you to, to shell shock Alabama with with innovation and creativity. And man, those first few he, he threw, Do I saw 30 personnel out there. They got a penalty for it. Remember the the, the three running back? They ran a diamond formation. I saw 21 personnel out there. They went empty sets. They went six offensive line package. We did see it with Andrew Carrick out there. And they threw the ball deep a ton. Um, RPOs, condensed sets, uh misdirection. I saw, I saw everything that I wanted to see. In those first scripted 15 20 plays, I said, if Sark is going to give his team a chance, they got to believe in the game plan. They have to believe that game plan is going to give them a chance to beat the number one team in the country. And it, it, the game plan did. It was a great game plan initially, man. It was beautiful offensively. It really was.
0: Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, Rod, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but uh, Bama went to five wides a lot in the fourth quarter. They went and empty sets yep. and, yeah. and just went and went straight to. Uh, put it in the hands of uh, uh, their best player, uh, and he came through for them. Uh, did you notice what Sa- Sark did on the uh, ensuing drive to get Texas into p- position? He went to a lot of 21 personnel.
1: Went to that two-tail, two-tailed. That yeah, step, I baby. mean, and yeah. so that
0: was – it was like a counter, a fourth-quarter counter from Sark that, you know, we didn't see a lot of that last year, a fourth-quarter counter from Sark, and he was ready for it and had something a little different um, for Alabama. Uh, Burt Auburn, how about him? That was a huge right.
1: kick by him. Oh um, man, how uh, ironic would it have been, Bobby, if Bert Arban would have been the guy that beats Alabama? I mean, that would have been just oh that would have been the football guy it's just oh, had it been too good, but it obviously didn't happen. But Bert Arban, I'm with you, man. He battled every I saw so many guys battle adversity. Remember all the missed tackles early on? Yep. Remember that? I, yep. I thought to myself, Oh, these missed tackles, man. This is gonna it's gonna be a long day if we got those kind of missed tackles in the open field. Something that did not persist throughout the game, guys. Actually, I mean, they did miss some tackles. You're going up against the best team in the country, but it wasn't something to me that was a a overall detriment to the defense. The defense pretty much played the best game. What's the last time you've seen a defense play a, a game this good for Texas, Bobby? Last time against a quality opponent? Against yeah. Um, Give it to because it's a while, it, man.
0: It well, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't last year. It um, wasn't last it, season. No, there was no no point in last season did I think they played well. Um,
1: 2017, uh, maybe? <laughs> I
0: don't
1: know, if it was, you know.
0: Let me let me come back to that, Rod, because I tell you what right. was, was interesting is I thought after Jalen – I thought Jalen Ford did not play well early. Uh, that long touchdown run, while it was well blocked by Alabama, Jalen Gilbo got swallowed up. Uh, Anthony Cook got engaged. Uh, the middle linebacker has to make that play and fill that hole. And he was just late getting there. Um, but beyond that, I thought Ford came alive later. Yep. You know, he, he started seeing the game a little bit better. Um, I thought the pass rush got home a little bit. Probably, um, you know, the missed sack. Obviously, if, if I had to say the play of the game, you know, wow. you and I are going to do this. Play of the game, the missed sack uh, by Ryan Watts, probably. And I yeah. And I can't look. You've done those. You've been a corner coming off the, the edge. You've
1: missed that before. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yep. It's all about the angle. And it's all about out of control, under control, as Coach Bull Reese would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: and I'm telling you, you know, he was close, young. I mean, basically got as low as he could to the ground and skirted out of it. I Just don't, a great player making a great play. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't. Brian uh, Watts, I thought, played extremely well. Yep. Um, Alabama's receivers dropped a few passes too. That that hurt them a couple times. Yeah, uh, they clearly clearly are not the same level at receiver that I thought they might be. Now later in the year, as some of because a couple of their freshmen end up playing well later, uh, may end up being guys. Uh, but I, I tell you what, it's it's one of those uh, Rod where I'm looking at it and uh, Texas losing here 20 to 19, a tough one for the Longhorns. I mean, come on, uh, that was that was a, a tough game. But you can't say enough good things not only about the defense. I think you're right about the defense. The offense stepped up. Yeah, they did um, with, with 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 Hudson Card. Um, that third and four, that third and three. I think this, you know, the 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 route was open. By the way, that Hudson Card got sacked on. If Bijan makes the block of Will Anderson and engages, that was wide open. Yeah, you know, Bryce Young still would have gotten the ball back, and I'm not so sure he couldn't have scored a touchdown based on just how good he was doing. Uh, but uh, I, I tell you what, uh, Burt Auburn came in. Uh, Rashawn Johnson ran hard. That, that that first, first down on that last drive for it Texas.
1: Was it a 12-yard game to run out? Yeah, was, that, was,
0: those, that was a man when play. When a Central
1: Rojo was what that was. Yeah, that, <laughs> was, not that, be was, a, <laughs> that was a man play. I mean, that's, be, why, that's why I think you're right. Sark had him in there. He was like, Sark was like, you know what? If this is the last drive against Alabama, I want Rojo in there. He's the team leader. We had the deepest uh, running back room in the country. I want Rojo and Bijan out there. My starting the starting quarterback is out. Anyway, you know what? I'm going Rojo and Bijan. And you're right. He went 21 personnel in that uh, last drive a, a few times, and I liked it. I thought it worked out well for him. Um, so I I thought they did. A, I thought the play calling, considering the situation, and what was the what was one of the biggest issues for Sark last season? Right? It was adjusting. We saw Sark get leads. His preparation and game plan was magnificent. Even last season, it was great, right? So we know that was a strength for Sark. Where he struggled was in the battle of adjustments, the chess match within the game. And he would lose that battle of adjustments, didn't have a counter ready to go. um, And then oftentimes the team would go toward a downward spiral. This game, to me, considering your starting quarterback goes down, You're matching wits with Nick Saban, the GOAT, and one of the best coaching staffs in the country. And, yeah, you got number one coming in town. I thought the adjustments throughout the game by Sark were excellent. Even when the play calling got conservative, now I know he was just troubleshooting. He was just trying to get either Hudson Cardin into a rhythm or figure out, all right, you know what? What can I attack? You know what he attacked? The corners. He went back to, he's like, you know what? These corners, they can't hold up. Hudson, go at them. Go ahead. They got one-on-one, and you know they were playing one-on-one because we know that Nick Saban loves man-to-man coverage. And Sark know they love man-to-man coverage. Sark says, listen, they're gonna play man-to-man. Let's go. We believe we actually there's not a it's not a huge disparity between their corners and our wide receivers. And he was right. He was right about that. There was not a huge disparity there. They attacked him and it paid off with some pass interference calls and it paid off with some big plays.
0: I, you mentioned the PI calls. Javian Sanders was interfered with in the end zone. That ended up being a three-point play instead of it should have been another first down yep. uh, inside the game. The refs, I think, had an effect on this game. Uh Sark will not uh likely admit it. Uh they wanted to call DeMarvian overshone for targeting, which clearly wasn't. They yeah. wanted to call him for a late hit, which it clearly wasn't. You can't be can't be a late hit if the guy's not down. Um, it can't be a roughing if he's not down. Yeah. Um if the ball's still crazy. in his hands. And then, and then second piece is where was Bryce Young throwing that? That was clearly a safety if they're not going to, um, you know, so that, that, and plus the early PIs that weren't called in the end zone uh, could have given Texas a leg up there at the same time. Here's one of the things I'm, I'm, um, I, I think that Texas went into the half at 10, should have been 13. Will Anderson got a hand oh. on that ball. Right. Really,
1: okay, so I no. was wondering, because it was close. That's like a chip shot. It's like an extra yeah, point.
0: It, it, it veered. It hard. veered pretty heavy. I, I, really yeah, I, it watch, it. I watch it. I um, it. But, Rod, uh, after that one, um, I was impressed because here's the reality. Texas went back to its second string quarterback and still uh, managed three scoring drives.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: I mean, that's... Yeah. I, I tell you what, that's pretty darn impressive. The other thing... Uh, I want to. I want to shout out to Daniel Trejo. Holy yeah, <laughs> the punter. Are you no kidding? Me? Um yeah. What a. I mean, he not only had a booming punt. No, I, I thought that Alabama would get in uh, possibly a uh, a non a non offensive touchdown. Did not happen. Uh, it is just unbelievable uh, what exactly happened there. Texas taking Alabama uh, to the wire uh in in dkr today rod i don't know what your thinking is on this uh, but you're you're a player that's lost difficult games before oh yeah what what is the psyche of the team coming off of this what are you thinking of it right now i know it's early it's 20 minutes after the game here what are your thoughts
1: um I think for a lot of these guys, this is, for them, confirmation. This is kind of when Matt Brown first came in. You know, because this is weird. This is not a signature win. Still don't have the signature win yet. (laughs) This is almost like, you ever seen the movie 10 Cup? Like one of those 10 Cup moments. Even though you lose, you have a moment where everybody starts at that point to, to believe in the vision of Steve Sarkeesian, right, and the growth Right? We're looking for something to quantify the growth. You want to be able to quantify the growth. It's tough, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's the development issues. Like, did they have they handled that? You know they're bringing in a, a ton of talent, but there's cultural issues, right? About this team and the leadership on the team. And also, so all there are a lot of things that Sark had to address in the offseason. And you just want to have something to be able to quantify the growth. And for fans, this quantifies the growth, but even for the players in the locker, room, we're putting the putting the work in, in the offseason right. To build the culture, to make sure they, they do the right things to, to put in the extra work, uh, to make sure that they are, remember South said that last year, what was tough about, you know, dealing, dealing with COVID and also something that he didn't notice was cultivating that team building, right. That camaraderie within the team. They didn't have it. They weren't playing for each other. They were out there playing, but if you ain't playing for each other, you. I mean, what you, what you playing for? You're playing for the name on the front. You're playing for the name on the back, right. Texas, that's that's all the fans, baby. That's the tradition, that's the culture, the name on the back, that's your family name. All right. And that represent all that represents the, the brother next to you, all of that, right? The coaches, that's the family. All right. La Cosa Nostra, all right, we would call it. That's our thing. And now I do think, and this is something that we even got in the offseason from all the momentum. I think the players are starting to believe. I do think they believe in Sark's vision now. Hell, he got the he got the mannings to believe in it after five and seven. I thought we all thought that was like mind blowing like, man, start got the Mannings to buy this vision after the five and seven and losing to Kansas, man, maybe something special is going on there. And now you have confirmation on the field. It didn't result in a win, right? Didn't result in a win. Got to be clear in saying that, but there's confirmation of growth. There's confirmation that these guys now are playing for each other. There's confirmation that, they're, that there's Texas fight now embedded in the culture once again. And there's pride, right? The pride and the winning tradition. Of the Texas Longhorns will not be entrusted to the weak nor the timid. And too many times last year, they were weak and they were timid. This team versus Bama, yeah, they lost. They got the L. Man, there ain't nothing weak and timid about this group. So God bless them. And that's to me, that's that's what I think they're believing in the locker room right now. Gotcha. Stop. I want to go to
0: Tommy Yerish right now, who's at the game. Uh Tommy, uh, you were there. Uh, describe uh, the fans and what happened today.
2: Hey, Bobby. Hey, Rod. Yeah, I've, I've been here since, since 5.30 this morning. Uh, it's been, it has been a long day. I am exhausted. My head is pounding. Uh, but no <laughs> doubt about it. I talked last week. That there was a lot of energy in the stands. I think you need to multiply that by 10 to describe what the fans were like today. 105,000 strong, and you heard every single one of them throughout the entire night. You know, after the game, it was obviously a lot of disappointment, but, you know, I thought to myself, man, you know, the loss is bad, but what is there to be disappointed about? That was as good of a show as you can put on against the number one team in the country, uh, considering all the circumstances, like Quinn Ewers going down, uh, B. John Robinson not able to get going. He just had fifty one uh, 57 yards on 21 carries. So, you know, Hudson Card came in, stepped in, played really well, over 100 yards in the air for him, and all of that, on a hurt ankle as well. So everybody yeah. stepped up to the occasion today. Uh, just a couple things not going the Longhorns way, but nonetheless, an impressive showing against a very solid team in Alabama. Um, you
0: know, you were at the game. Uh, it was going into the student section there, Tommy, uh, that last drive, uh, the fumble, the sack in the end zone. I thought it was a sack. It should have been a grounding call. What were you seeing from that angle over on that side of the field from uh, uh, down low?
2: Uh, yeah you know the defense was just flying all over today um really good pressure on bryce young. i was i was pleasantly surprised at the amount of pressure that this defensive line was able to bring on bryce young and it, there's no one player that stood out it was a collective group effort to make him uncomfortable and i talked with ian boyd earlier this week in our game preview about how you don't need to just get pressure on bryce young you need to get good pressure and smart pressure on Bryce Young, and that's exactly what the defensive line did today for Texas, especially in that last drive. They came up when they needed a stop, and they did so, and then unfortunately just not able to get six points on the other end, Alabama comes back, and you know, Alabama's an amazing fourth quarter team. Nick Saban uh, is the best for a reason, and they showed that today.
0: All right, Tommy, we'll grab you later, Matt. Thanks for bringing him in for us. Matt Hutchison, our producer here. Uh, Rod, I want to talk to you about the what you think the offensive player of the game was for Texas.
1: Oh, wow. Um, man, that, that is interesting. Now, the offensive player of the game. You said Quinn Ewers ended up with <laughs> more, uh, he had more passing. You also noticed in the car, right? Uh, well, I, I don't know if he had more. Let me check the team stats real quick. Okay. No, no. Card
0: ended up with more, but he also had 10 more attempts. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it's the same
1: time yeah. it was one of those where you uh, was only played a quarter. I know. And it's, you know what, if you just look at total touches, I mean, man, cause Bijan had 21 rushes for 57 yards, but he also ended up with three receptions for 73 yards. <laughs> so I mean, I, I it's, it, it's, it's tough, not, but I, I loved but X-Man, I love Xavier Worthy's impact on the game too. So if we're going offensive player of the game, it's hard not to give it to Bijan considering his total yardage numbers. Yeah, I I He's I probably have, gonna be in what close to what 120, 130, something like that somewhere around there.
0: Yeah, I, I tell you what, um they uh they they literally uh, gave it. I, I would go, I would probably go with Jordan Whittington. Uh, I thought he was strong all game long. He was seven catches, 64 yards, got a couple of key first downs, uh, made the right uh, plays. In my opinion. Uh, The one that I don't know about uh, is in debating is giving it to Hudson card too. Um, And I'll tell you why I know he wasn't perfect, but boy, for a guy that lost the starting job less than a month ago, I mean, it's literally a month ago Friday, I think that he, that the, Sarkisian named the uh, the starter maybe three weeks ago Friday. That Steve Sarkisian named uh, named Quinn Ewers the starter for Hudson Card to come back on one foot basically and <laughs> playing like he did. Um, no, he wasn't perfect. You know, he threw some bad balls, took some bad sacks, which he's which he's done previously, and probably one of the reasons why uh, he didn't uh, didn't do it. But I, I think I would give it either to um, Jordan Whittington or Hudson Card, and more. More Hudson Card for me, probably, just because I thought it was a yeoman
1: effort. I mean, you want to go to Charles White against Alabama? No, no, no. It, it, <laughs> it, I, I agree with your argument, basically, that if you're just judging off the rate of development. We've all watched Hudson Card. we watch his his trajectory, and you're judging off the, the moxie and the grit and the testicular fortitude that you saw from him, that he knew in that moment my team needs me to make a play. They need me to make the throw. Um, He did. I'm not going to lie. I did not have a ton of confidence that Hudson Card could make some of the throws that he made, but he did. He surprised me. Um, So I'll go on the airwaves and admit like, hey, man, I did not think Hudson Card could make some of those plays against an Alabama. I thought you would see him, you know, start to spiral more with Alabama and now he spiraled a little bit. But then I saw him gather himself and make some plays and make some throws. So if you want to make that argument, you can. I don't know if any one player made just any, you know, a tremendously huge overarching, you know, impact on the game. There are spots for everybody. Flashes for everybody. Jordan Whittington, I'm with you. You can tell early on, though, Sark was featuring Jordan Whittington. He got... He got a lot of looks early and Quinn Hughes was looking for him early too. Um, and then all throughout the game after that, just different guys stepping up at different moments, including uh, Hudson Card. So If you want to go Hudson card, I'm totally down with that. I mean, you could trust me. Bijan will get plenty of them in the future.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like uh, that was a, that was a, a good performance by card. Um, gutsy. If not, nothing. Else. It, yep. Gutsy. I mean, that that's the sort of thing that uh, players will respect you for long oh, after the, and the, the fans. game is over
1: and yes. fans. we've yeah. watched we've watched his growth we've watched it we watched him win the job last year then we watched him struggle at arkansas and a game like that Longhorn fans Hudson card will be walking into some places eating and drinking for free because yeah. people people appreciate that kind of gutsy performance because otherwise oh man that could that could have been an ugly thing that could have that could have been a meltdown. Texas got blown out in that game, but part of it wasn't because Hudson Card uh, actually did step up in some key moments.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm I'm of the opinion that that uh, that I I was just totally wrong about this game. I thought Texas was gonna get, I thought Texas would look good and look better on defense. I had no clue they'd hold Bryce Young to 20, 20 points. Now I thought I thought Bama's uh, would create more on the run in the run game. Yeah. Texas's defense. That, that I was wrong about that. Also wrong about how good I thought maybe the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Alabama wide receivers were. Texas yeah. played well against them. They they and, and Alabama had some drops. Uh, I, I tell you what. Uh, overall, I, I I will eat crow on this performance uh, <laughs> every day of the week and twice on Sunday uh, because uh, Texas surprised me. Any thoughts on Pete Quitkowski? And Gary Patterson not working together, well, yeah. should be out the window because they had a game plan uh, for young Mr. Young and the, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Bill O'Brien was flummoxed until the fourth
2: quarter.
1: He was, and I'm going to go back on my rewatch and see how many of those pressures and sacks were a result of coverage. Because some, I mean, you watched, and Bryce Young had to hold on to the ball. That was how he was looking downfield, and that was just nobody open. I mean, it was just that simple. Those wide receivers for Bama, just could not get open, could not create separation against the Texas DBs. That, I mean, that was a sense of pride for me. I hadn't seen that in a really long time. You're talking about the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback looking downfield, and there's nobody open. Um, so, those Alabama receivers didn't scare me before the game. I had said that. Uh, all the pro football focus numbers have said they struggled. Those certain guys struggled versus man coverage. They are not the, you know, the elite group and core of wide receivers they have been in recent years with first round prospects to call the across the board. Uh, Bryce Young is an elite player, but they weren't. So I'm glad that Texas challenged those wide receivers. You saw, you know, Ryan Watts still go up the boundary corner, playing a lot of bump and run coverage. And I'm telling you, I, I don't know how many of the pressures and the sacks were a result of coverage, but I'm telling you, go back and watch it. It wasn't just initial penetration by the defensive line. You know, Bryce Young had to look downfield, went through a progression or two and decided there's nobody open. Hey, hey,
0: on that fourth and three play, what a what a read by Bryce Young, a younger Bradley, a younger quarterback tries to get one of his first two reads, and he went to his third yep. for an easy, you know, fifteen yard catch. I, I, I tell you what, most guys just they try to force in, and it probably would have been incomplete. and Texas takes over with the ball, you know. Yep. But uh, what a that was just a a great read by Young. I was just like, geez, that that guy's a pro. Uh, waiting. All right, before we get to Tommy Yerish. I'm going to come back to Tommy in, a, in just a minute uh, and talk about the Quinn Ewers injury update that we got from Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, but first I want to mention uh, the post game show is brought to you by accomplished Austin realtor, Laura Baker, Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Tommy here. She's at the game. Uh, Tommy, uh, they're saying right now that it looks like, uh, Oh well, Tommy is, Tommy's not able to get on. It uh, looks like a uh, uh, bad connection there for him. Uh, Starkeesian is saying it's a clavicle sprain. Oh, uh, okay. We don't know how serious yet. Getting an MRI tomorrow. Rod, this is what I, from, from uh, people that were watching the sidelines today, this is what I was told. Not wearing a sling at all in the third quarter. No ice on the shoulder at all.
3: Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.
0: Okay. Read, read into that for me, Rod,
1: if you will, because I think I think they're. You've been on the sideline. You know what I'm asking. What are they thinking? Um, yeah, I wonder about that. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's maybe him um, showing some toughness, maybe them some. You know, maybe later on, after they decided it was something that they needed a sling for, I have no idea. I'm not going to throw any conspiracy. Usually, I'm on the grassy knoll. Uh, I'm not really sure why that would be the case. I do have to do some research now. So, how long are we thinking? Have we done the research on how long AC sprains keep quarterbacks out? Have we done that research yet? This is a I non-throwing know. shoulder,
0: right? It was not. It was non-throwing shoulder. So, Drew, Drew Brees. <laughs> Drew Brees piped in on this. Are we serious? Drew Brees piped in on this play. He oh, said. Wow. He said. I think it was on Instagram. He said, "All right, put a put a sling or a, a harness on your left shoulder. Shoot him up and get back out there." <laughs> 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 so even when, when when Drew Brees is telling you what to do, he was uh, he was ready okay. to get him back. Here it is. There's there's the there's the comment from Drew Brees. If it's an AC joint separation, locker room, shoot it up, put on a harness, and shotgun snaps the rest of the game.
1: <laughs> okay, this is why. Okay, I, honestly, that that is that's good news. That Drew Brees is saying you can play with. I'm not saying shoot him up or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Drew Brees. Not saying say. Then maybe you can play through it with a harness, pain management, couple of weeks, whatever it may be. Trust me, your boy had three shoulder surgeries, so I've had. That shoulder, shoulders kept me out of the league, pretty much, or at least put me out of the league. So I understand and trust me, man. It can be a pain, but also like I said, a lot of it is pain tolerance at times, especially with a, with a quarterback and his non throwing shoulder. Uh, I will say that, yeah, I mean now these young guys that you know they. They may decide, you know, that they want to get out there. We got name image and laughing and stuff. So man, they're basically like pro athletes anyway. <laughs> so yeah. so they, they may decide to make some business decisions. Who
0: knows? Hey, <laughs> um, going back to the uh I want to before we go to the defensive player uh of the of the game, I want to ask you, um, going back to the refs, and I I want to be clear, I'm not a Texas fan that blames the refs. That that just doesn't happen. I'm not, I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. Uh They had the issue with Jatavian Sanders. I thought that was a clear pass interference early in the game, in the end zone. Uh, Could have given – that Texas took the points, got three instead of seven there, Um, had the non-call of uh, uh, Bryce Young grounding in the end zone, Um, and even almost flubbed it worse than that. Yeah. Um, But Texas did come back off of that drive, off of that punt, and create three points. So – Maybe that maybe I'll give that one a, as not such a big deal. Um, but the the one that I come back to that was clear as day was the the face mask against Keelan Robinson. Oh, yeah. Um, that was that would have been that would have given Texas first down at the five instead of second at the five. Yeah. Um, and Texas could have put some points on the board. Uh, and, you know, instead of a looking at it first and five instead of second and five is a big difference inside the 10. Right. Um, you got another yeah. another play to go with. So um, at the same time, uh, you know, I'm guessing Texas got away with a, a hold in the secondary. One of the uh, announcers mentioned that. Um, but it was uh, it's one of those things that we got to, you know, both sides deal with it. Clearly not a clean called game. Uh, Alabama, uh, I believe, finished with 13 or 14 penalties.
2: Fifteen, made-
1: I thought it was 15 penalties. It's which the made- most penalties ever by a Nick Saban team, I believe unbelievable that they said. Congrats, congrats to the crowd for that you know congrats. what you got to give them some credit yeah because some of yeah some of them were like uh false starts all i'll say this too because mac brown used to always have a great saying players play coaches coach officials officiate can't worry about what they do just kind of take care of your own business so usually i'm with you i usually don't go to the officials i will say this about pass interference they were inconsistent on how they call the PIs, right? Because when Texas was attacking the Alabama DBs, that same amount of contact sometimes wasn't called for Texas. So that was a little inconsistent. That was a little annoying. But man, Alabama did get called for what? How many was it? Was it 15? It's 15, 15 for 100. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. Uh, it's hard for me to say that the officials, you know, I mean, that they that they should have called more on Bama because they probably should have. Obviously, the Keenan Robinson face mask was obvious, and I don't know what the hell happened with the targeting slash. What was that? Roughing the passer? They looked like
0: they looked like they were trying to find something there. I have no, yeah, That was crazy.
1: That was. I got to go back and watch it. I don't know. I don't. Know, I'm gonna. I got a friend of mine that's an official. I'm gonna ask them about. It. That was crazy. I have no, I, I have no idea what happened there. Uh, But yes, I'm with you. I think the officials, you know, might have had some type of influence on the game, but man, Alabama 15 penalties. That's the most undisciplined Alabama performance we've seen from a Nick Saban coach team in a long, long time. I don't know if we've ever seen one that undisciplined. Let's look at these stats
0: real quick. Um, Texas, uh, Alabama outgains Texas by just three yards. Uh, The ones that, that uh, play are big for me, um, Passing yards, Texas out through Alabama, uh, but the the rushing yards, Alabama outgained Texas. But really,
1: it was one big run. Yep, and Bryce Young scrambles. I'd say yeah, that toward the end of the game, that big long one toward the end was he, yeah. he had three or four,
0: right? Yep, you're right, three or four good ones. Um, I think that the other thing that you could you could talk about uh, there is third down uh, conversion. Texas last year was horrible against as a defense against third down, held the Alabama to five of 15 this year. Yeah. I mean, what, th- that that's pretty darn strong against the number one team in the country. Uh, 25 first downs to 16. Uh, the defense as a whole played a hell of a lot better, period.
1: I, can, say, I, I can't remember, but I'm trying to, you said, considering the opponent, we got to think on it. You text me when we're done after the show, when you think on it, what's the last time we've seen a Texas defense give this kind of effort? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It was a hell of a game plan. And you're right. I think Gary Patterson's influence can really be seen and observed uh, in situational football. I'm talking about like third downs. I talked about this actually on the show. Third down, go look at Texas in third and long. Last year, they were much more predictable and they were static. You know, this year, man, there's a lot of moving parts now on third and long. They, they're they a lot more aggressive on third and long situations. And I think that's got the thing that feels like Gary Patterson. A lot more split coverages on third and long. They're just doing a lot more uh, what I would call kind of cheat codes. A lot, lot more force multipliers on the defensive side of the ball. And, of course, yeah, just great effort and pursuit. No question about that. Just good old-fashioned effort and pursuit to the football also is helping. Yeah.
0: I want to go ahead and talk about defensive player of the game uh, real quick and, and see, uh, not even real quick, just talk about it. Uh, look, to Vondre Sweat, I think he may have made some money today. Mm. Um, Mora Ojomo may, may put himself in, in line for some money if he can continue this playing uh, this way as a senior. Um, Jaron Thompson affected the game as a run uh, stopper. Yeah, he did. Defense. Came down uh, late to Wood. Yeah. Um, I, who would you go with? I'll let you go first. Who would you go with here, uh, Rod?
1: Yeah, this is tough because uh, I haven't actually went and looked at all the, the stats for all the different guys. Just kind of going off the, the eye test and some of the guys that affected the game. I'd probably go with multiple guys on the defensive front. Like I said, you forced Alabama to abandon the running game. And, hell, even Keon j Coburn on that fourth down, at fourth, and was it fourth and one, I believe it was, late in the game? He was the rock of Gibraltar. They couldn't move him. He really was the one that pretty much was so stout that he just kind of brick walled the offensive lineman who ended up having his back foot trip up the running back. And then my man Anthony Cook comes down and lays down a hammer, a great hit that forces the ball, jars the ball loose, which forces the officials to you know, spot the ball, just a little bit short. I mean, it's, football is such a game of inches, right? And you have so many guys. So Honestly, this is one of those things that's rare. I think we might need to give defensive player of the game to either multiple guys or just give it to the whole damn D. Right? I'm good with the D. Right? I'm good with the whole D. Because the, the corner corners stepped up too. They played. They played together. They did play as a unit, man. They played as a unit, as a group, as a team. I totally agree with you. I can name four or five different plays from different. Anthony Cook had hell of a plays um, with, with tackles for loss on the perimeter on some of those wide receiver screens. Kendrick Coburn. You talked about Tavondre Sweat. Hell, Ryan Watts. Oh, Ryan Watts could have been a player of the game though. <laughs> he would have been a play... player of the game. Let's admit that. He's a player of the game. Jaren Thompson. Yeah, but he's right. He's player of the game if he makes that sack. And that what a great play call. It, it almost reminded me of you know the the Will Muschamp uh, call on Crabtree in that game where Crabtree has the famous touchdown catch because he had him doubled. He <laughs> double teamed him. You can't you can't ask for a better play call. It was a perfect play call, and it was a perfect play call to blitz Ryan Raj because he he came untouched and he had a free shot at at Bryce Young on the best player in the country and the best player in the country made one of the best plays we've seen in a long time.
0: <laughs> it could be a Heisman moment for him. I really, think you're right. That's really a good point. really could be, truly, because he, he did some stuff there that not every every quarterback could have done. Um, I want to go back and uh, make sure uh, that we talk a little bit about Quinn Ewers. I thought he came out looking fantastic. Uh, we t- I talked about Alabama dropping some balls. Hey, Xavier Worthy dropped a touchdown pile deep
1: oh uh, yeah er, that, early yeah. now
0: he caught one late i mean I mean, yeah. nobody's gonna get upset with xavier worthy in general but he caught he, he dropped one deep. um that was the
1: nfl catch that would that's that's what he's an nfl player we know that but uh yeah that's what nfl players catch that's why he ain't quite ready but man he catches that one in the end zone because you're right it was it was at the back of the end zone he had to drag the toe but he had the toe but he bobbled the catch yep. just a little
0: bit hey you know what else the other one i was interested in that so they came out in that diamond formation, right?
2: Ooh.
0: Had a good, had a had a big play on it, right? Yeah. Hayden Connor gets called for a chip, a, a crackback
1: crack crack block. I know, man. maybe,
0: maybe, right? I, is what I was thinking. Maybe that's an okay call because it wasn't, it wasn't ultra physical, right? If it would have been ultra physical, I would have, I would have been different about it. Um, but the the one that showcased Quinn Ewers' arm. First and seventeen. The very next play throws a twenty yard out to so X Man. Yes,
1: do you yes. remember that? And I was like, "Holy cow!"
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that it was, was a- with such ease. That was no effort with it. He didn't even look like he was struggling to make that throw, Bobby. I, I thought, saw that. I was like, "What?" It was like a twenty three yard game.
0: I thought the same exact. Oh I thought the same exact thing. I was like, Quinn Ewers has got some arm talent. And you know what? He saw that. They worked it, threw it in between the corner and the safety that was over the top. Uh, Just a a really nice play. I want to mention uh, again, Laura Baker. The postgame show is brought to you by accomplished Austin realtor, Laura Baker. Laura and the Andy Allen team uh, at Keller Williams can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Uh, Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert and just a good all-around person, please uh, contact Laura at laura at Team.com. All right, we're going to take some comments here uh, from folks uh, and talk a little bit about what everybody else is talking about uh, in this game. Uh, we're also going to talk uh, now to Tommy Yarish. Tommy, uh, what do you hear is the latest uh, here in Austin, Texas?
2: Yeah, sorry, guys. Phone died on me uh, back there. um <laughs> So uh, when it comes to the latest, uh, the Quinn Ewers uh, injury news came out. I'm not sure if you guys covered that. Um, So he suffered a sprained clavicle, uh, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned, in uh, the post-game press conference. He'll get an MRI tomorrow. Not sure really what the severity uh, of that is. That's good to hear. It looked uh, had some rumors going around the stands of, you know, collarbone, maybe a dislocated shoulder. Uh, So hopefully – Queen is OK, because in that in that first quarter and a couple of minutes that he played, man, he, he looked spot on nine for 12 uh, for 124 yards, I believe. Uh, just the improvement from week one to this afternoon was absolutely stagnant. And it was really fun to watch. He was meshing really well, uh, making all the downfield throws. And, you know, later in the game. There was that I remember this one specific throw Hudson Card was trying to look for Xavier Worthy down the left sideline, and he just threw it about five yards to his right, and I said to everybody sitting around me, I was like, man, this is where you need a guy like Quinn Ewers who can make that throw and put it on the money to your best wide receiver.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree there, and, and Rod, uh, you, you saw that play as well. I saw you nodding your head there. Um, don't forget Hudson Card also injured right then. Couldn't really step into any throws. Very true. Um, uh, One of the reasons why I liked, uh, let's talk about this too, because I thought, first of all, I I don't know that I saw Quinn yours throw any balls that he would want back today.
1: I like that.
0: You you know what I mean by that? I didn't see him throw into coverage. I didn't see him. Maybe he threw high to Jordan Whittington once, but Whittington actually came down with it. Um, and that's a that's a big thing for a young quarterback against a really good defense. Yeah, um,
2: you I know, totally with
0: you. I, I feel like there's something to be said there. I, I also think that um, uh, kudos to Steve Sarkeesian for putting him in a position uh, to be to do well. That first little t- tight end screen to, to oh, Javion okay. Sanders that that's got Will Anderson immediately. Yep, immediately thinking, oh boy, I need a I need a. Be aware of this the rest of the night Uh, Further, or the rest of the afternoon. Furthermore, getting Bijan Robinson in space against Dallas Turner, those are the two pass rushers that Texas was worried about coming into this game, Turner and Anderson. And the fact that those two uh, were able to to do what they did in Texas kind of didn't take Will Anderson out of the game. He he still had an impact. Dallas Turner had an impact by injuring Quinn Ewers. Uh, But uh, long story short, uh, it, it was an interesting game. Tommy, one more question for you. Um, you know, what was it like uh, to try to describe the atmosphere as people were leaving the stadium, uh, if you don't mind? Because yeah. I know a lot of times people are mad, cussing, mad at players, <laughs> mad at coaches, especially in a tight loss. Uh, it, it, it couldn't have been that today. I, I just I can't imagine that that situation. What was it like uh, the fans leaving the stadium?
2: Uh, well, it was, I think it's a little bit of a mix of everything. I don't think there was any blame on any players. You know, the, these fans realize that each and every single one of those guys played their hearts out. And there wasn't any, any bashing on coaches either because, like Steve Sarkeesian has mentioned coming into this week, he said this game plan has been ready already for about three months' time now uh, as they as they really look forward to this game. But uh, I think it was more just frustration. Uh, we saw the, where I was sitting in the student section was right beside where the Alabama fans had bought some tickets uh, in the top of that first bowl. And there was definitely some jawing going back and forth, uh, as you would expect um, everybody letting their frustrations out some horns down here and there, just exactly what you would expect. Uh, but these, these Texas fans are, are fighting for their guys and they definitely had their back in the stands. All
0: right, Tommy, thank you for your reporting. You. Uh, keep, keep up the good work. Uh, you're you're going to be on again on I think Wednesday and Thursday of this week uh, talking about the UTSA game. Uh, You've also uh, talking to uh, the beat writer for the San Antonio Express news uh, about the Longhorns that are about the Longhorns and UTSA to try to get the inside scoop on UTSA uh, from their viewpoint. Uh, I want to now bring in uh, thanks Tommy, Um, Matt. I want to bring in uh, Jerry Hamilton now uh, because one of the subtexts of this game uh, was recruiting. Uh, Texas had, had to be 50-plus recruits there, Jerry. Uh, you were at the game as well. Looks like you're over at the Moody, Moody Center right now uh, trying to get, some, get out of the heat and into some air conditioning. Uh, what do you think this game meant to uh, Texas from a
3: recruiting standpoint? I think it's a 100% win for Texas. Look, um, it, it proves that, you know, it, to me, recruiting is always when a new coaching staff is hired, you sell a vision. But at some point, that vision has to become a reality for kids. And look, Texas recruited a top-five class through a 5-7 and season last year. Uh, This 23 class, the guys that are committed, the guys that are still recruiting, the 24 class, the 25 class, this is a game that shows kids, parents, circles of recruits that SART belongs on this stage. And I I think that's very important in recruiting. Um, And how could you not be – A quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, an offensive tackle. Kelvin Banks looked like a first-round pick in game freaking two today, okay? Game two. How can you look at that and think that is a great offensive scheme to play in? But I think it's bigger defensively than offensively today. Mm -hmm. Last year was really bad. It looked like a sieve at times. It was hard for a defensive recruit to see the vision that was being sold. Today, it's easy to see that vision being sold. Look, Bryce Young won the Heisman for a reason. He made some great plays down the stretch, right? Um, but still, Texas is light years ahead defensively where they were last year, and anybody that understands football can see that. Um, so, I think it's a big win in recruiting. Now, you got to go win more games. You know, I mean, this can't be your recruiting game. You got to go win more games. But I don't know what y'all been saying. Um, On here, But, by the way, I want to say something else, and I'd love to hear Rod's opinion and yours, Bobby. Quinn Ewers was making throws in the first quarter that I'm not sure I've seen a Texas quarterback make in DKR. That was on a different level being in the stands. Those were first pick of the draft throws he was making in his second college start. It was – I can't tell you how impressive that was sitting in the stands – the throws he was making, um, feet not set, just all the arm angles, all the things that made him so good as a sophomore at Southlake. It had been a while playing through injuries as a junior, then sitting out last year since we'd saw since we'd seen that. It was unbelievable to watch. That guy was dialed in like you don't see many young quarterbacks. Texas has a quarterback, uh, yeah, Dave's they, gotta they really do.
0: You got to hope he's not injured for a long period of time because uh, you know conference plays two weeks away. Uh, Rod, what do you think about
1: what Jerry said there uh, on Quinn Ewers? No, I, I totally agree. <clears throat> I mean, he's, it's easy to see why Sark made the decision. Um, and that's, that was the true separation is that – and Sark kept saying this. He can make all the throws. He can make all the throws. That was his one kind of go-to line. When it it's like, hey, so why did you go with Quentin Ewers or Rustin Card? He can make all the throws, and you saw it. Bobby just mentioned that uh, 23-yarder to X-Man, the opposite hash, the uh, deep out that he ran. And it's like, who, and he, who makes a throw like that effortlessly? And that's exactly what he did. And, yeah, I mean, Longhorn fans believe it. I believe it in my heart. If Quentin Ewers stays healthy throughout that game, you pull off the greatest upset win in Texas football history. Uh, I got a
3: question for Rod. Rod, you were a national recruit. It's hard to – because recruiting's changed so much, right? But if you put yourself in the place of a recruit today, because you were one, Bobby Bowden was in your house. Mm. What would your thoughts have been as an
1: 18-year-old kid today? I'm I'm glad you said it because I said it before you came on too. It's confirmation of the vision. Right. When when Sark sold the vision to the Manning family and Archie Manning believed that everybody went, man, after five and seven, how do you sell that vision to the Mannings after losing to Kansas at home? And that has got to be something going on at Texas. And then we watch what this team put on display versus Alabama. And if I was a 17 year old, 18 year old watching it, it's just confirmation. All right. There's something special going on at Texas. And that's what Matt Brown was doing, right? That was his belief that after that number one class came in with Sims and Corey Redding, Matt pulled off the upset win over Nebraska. Something special is brewing at Texas. And it seems like Sark right now. I agree. I think this is confirmation of the growth. All right, and the improvement that we all expected to see in all season, but you're right. This cannot be it, right? This cannot yeah. be the apex. Remember Texas, LSU in 2019 for Texas. It this cannot be that kind of moment where we see growth, but then we also see regression after that. You got to get better week to week. If you do that, the sky's the limit for this group.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, that that's a big deal because here, here's the reality of it. Um, they've they've come up and played big in single games under. Tom Herman they did that a lot and then the next game they go and and throw a dud right yeah. um it's it's you can't you can't your pitcher can't be an ace one game and then give up six earned runs the next right <laughs> um and that's what Texas did has done all too often all often okay they just they just threw their ace against the number 1 team in the country and they did well uh, yeah they probably gave up a late run right and and lost in the ninth inning but now the next game, they got to come back at it again. You know, they need to have more an, another good game. This is the
3: second game in a row, too. Very few penalties for the Longhorns um, exactly. compared to the most undisciplined to, compared to the most undisciplined Alabama game I've ever seen. I don't know. Yes. That's the most undisciplined Nick Saban coach game I've seen since he's been there. It was crazy Great. to watch in the stands, by the way. I want to throw a shout out. I know y'all probably hit on it. Tavondre Sweat looks like an NFL player this year. Bobby said it. <laughs> By the way, I've been waiting for that. And Alfred Collins, if he can if he can bring it, then Texas has something on the interior because those two guys are the talents, the Sunday talents on the D-line. If they get something out of both of those guys, it changes everything.
0: Uh, Manuel, I, he's saying wrong again. You do not know this team. Manuel, thanks for your opinion, but I, I, I would put up uh, how well we know this team up against anybody out there in uh, twice uh, as, as it goes, uh, because frankly uh, I definitely thought Texas was going to lose big, but other members, of the inside Texas staff did not. Uh, so I would, I would, uh, I would be cautioned uh, on that because we certainly uh, have uh, broken our share of news and continue to follow the Longhorns uh, heavily. Um, hey, Jerry, before we let you go uh, as it relates to recruiting Deuce Robinson, the tight end out of Pinnacle high school, was apparently not able to come in uh, because his game was lighteninged out last night in Phoenix. Uh, but we do believe Cecilia Kana and Jalen Hale both made it to campus uh, for official visits. Is that accurate? Yeah, I believe that's accurate to my knowledge. Yes. Yes. Okay. You you were in a, it was so crowded today uh, oh. for Jerry. He was texting me. He goes, and, and you were texting, you called me at seven o'clock this morning said, I can't even get around to where I normally would look for people because right. It's a it's a madhouse. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Over by the new house where the kids and families normally walk in. They couldn't walk in. There are thousands of kids in line. It's 7 a.m. when I walked by there. But they also had all the TV trucks. So they had everything just more. uh, I don't want to say roped off. It's not ropes, but gated off in a much different way than they ever have. So all the recruits and families had to be taken by golf cart from wherever they told them to park to the Moncrief new house, they could not do like they normally, It's just too many people, too much security, too much going on.
0: Wow. Yep. Yeah, I I tell you what, uh, great stuff, Jerry. I appreciate you, man. You, got uh, you have a good one, bud. All right. All right. Hey, hey, Rod, a uh, question for you uh, here. Uh, as we go forward, uh, we talked about the offensive MVP. You went with Bijan. I went with Hudson card, uh, just from a strict gutty performance perspective. We both agreed. Defense as a whole. I, I think whole. I think that they played as a unit, they deserve it as a unit in my I totally opinion. agree.
1: Yep. So many different guys made plays.
0: Um MVP probably special teams MVP Daniel Trejo. Um, although Damn. Bert Auburn hit a, <laughs> hit a field
1: goal. He had what one miss, right? If that one yep. miss, if that one miss, uh I mean hey, I'm not getting on it because he's a new kicker and you got to go through your growing pain. So I get it. But that that growing pain that hurt. Now looking back on it, that hurt because that was how long was that field goal? Was that was that like a twenty-yarder? 20 twenty-yarder. yeah, man, that one hurt looking back because I know I, I, you said it was tipped though. It was tipped, you said, right? Yes, it was. Okay, it was, um, yeah. and he deserves
0: it. I, I you know, uh, it looked like going back and rewinding it. Cam Williams, the true freshman, took a you. false step and lunged on the on the uh, on the uh, the attempt, and Will yeah. Anderson just the the. You know, probably number one, two, three, or four exactly. You know, made a freshman look like a freshman. That, hey. that, that kind of stuff is going to happen. Um, yep. I, I would probably go with Trejo because I did not expect that performance. His first two pun- punts uh, looked, you know, uh, mediocre. Uh, but his last couple, boy, uh, he did a, a great job, in my opinion. We want to hear from you guys a little bit here. Tell us who you thought was the offensive MVP and defensive MVP. Uh, as well as the overall uh, game MVP. Uh, Play of the game for you, Rod. Um, What do you think? Oh, that is good.
1: Play of the game. Not necessarily Um, for
0: the Longhorns.
1: Yeah, uh, we got offense or defense or either Either. one. Doesn't matter, either one. Um, Man, to me, that that Xavier Worthy uh, deep ball was, it was just a, and this is the one that went inside like the five-yard line, I believe it was. I, I think it was a 40, maybe 43, 44 yards. I'm not sure exactly how many it was. But I, I the reason I like that is because we watched the ULM game. And the ULM game, Texas was a one-of-five throwing deep balls, uh, uh, 20 yards or more downfield. one-of-five. The only one was the seam route to JT Sanders. And I wondered in this game if Sark was going to – you know, uh, be aggressive still with the deep ball, or if he was going to try to limit himself with the deep ball, try to get to more, you know, short intermediate passes. And man, he wasn't, he was extremely aggressive early on. He was chunking the ball deep and he was challenging those corners. I liked that play because it showed me about Sark's mentality. It also, I think showed Texas that that was kind of one of those, you ain't so bad moments too about Bama is that we actually may have an advantage on the outside. And from that moment on, they kept attacking them corners. And yeah, it showed yeah. you about the game plan. Like, no, we're coming after these corners. They want to play man-to-man against us. Good luck. Good luck. Hey, and that play, too, was after Alabama had just run down
0: and run 81-yard touchdown. Great
1: point. It was the answer. It was the answer.
0: That's that's exactly response. right.
1: It was your response.
0: Yep. And that's that came back. That came also after that out to, to Xavier Worthy as well. On that might be a first
1: game right there. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, no, you, you, you know my piece, right? Yeah. It's
0: like I, I think that, that you look at it together and you take those two plays together, and you're like, okay, Texas is not here to, to F around. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, it was, such, yeah I, it was such a key moment to me. I remember I was there watching at that moment, and I remember thinking, damn. So maybe you're right. Maybe I was coming off of that emotional low of oh man, here we go. This is exactly what I thought it was gonna be to oh no, hell no. Sark said no, we we came, we came here to fight. So if y'all y'all want to y'all want to shoot out, we can go that route. If y'all want to knock down, drag out, street fight, we can go that route. My team is ready for whatever you're ready to do. And it it was it was a great answer. And I said you got to answer Nick Saban and Bama, otherwise you'll get blown out. And no, Texas answered every time they made a play. Texas answered.
0: I, I tell you what, uh, play of the game for me for Texas was probably um, it would have been the fourth down stop. Uh, but after after Alabama uh, had taken the lead. Uh, Hudson card stood in there and threw a ball over the middle to Casey Kane
1: oh that was a beautiful play that was a beautiful play yeah hey,
0: I, I felt like wow they just got themselves a, and and he they had not tried that at all all game and he put it on him uh big play put him in field goal position uh to go ahead in the game uh for overall in the game though the play of the game that was a big me, has to be the Bryce young scramble Um, Oh, the miss sack Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. That's the biggest play of the game, not for the long, but just as a play of the game, I totally agree. Can I go back to your play about Casey Kane, though? What I love about that play is, and I got to go back and watch how often the adjustment was made by Bama, but they were doubling X-Men. They doubled X-Men on that play. They were trying to take X-Men away deep, and then Casey Kane just came clean underneath uh, with an underneath route there, kind of a six route, and he was wide open because that – defender there that inside slot defender he went with x-men everybody was like no, no no we're gonna take x-men away because they were featuring x-men in a lot of their passing comp their passing and route combinations and that was just a beautiful play. i, got, I don't even know how was that casey kane's first catch
0: i i think he had one last week it was his only catch this game yes yep only exactly. one of this game
1: Right, but exactly. So think about think about think about the adjustment made by Sark there. Like I said, I'll go back and watch when they started paying extra attention to X Men because at first they weren't. though they were first they thought you know what we can handle this guy, and then at, then they figured out now nah, we really can't handle this guy, and then Sark decided in the clutch a counter. You know, no, no, no they're gonna pay extra attention to X Men. Let's just bring Kane right underneath that coverage, and that was a beautiful adjustment by by Sark and the offensive staff. First catch that- of the game. Put
0: in field goal position to, to potentially win the game, right? Who would um, have thought? <laughs> let me ask you this, because, you know, and this is the other thing that's going to make people shake their heads. What if that was Isaiah Nayor at that spot? Oh. Different animal run after catch, right? Yeah. You're looking at a different type of guy. Yeah. And, right. uh, you know, yeah. uh, not not that Casey Cain, Casey Kane played well, by the way. Blocked, came mm-hmm. out, that uh,
1: blocked on the edge a couple of times. Uh, the wide receivers are blocking really well downfield, though. Actually, I'll give them credit for that. We said to see that. Gotcha. Um, other uh
0: other things that you saw or witnessed that you want to pick out a little bit, Rod, uh, from this game.
1: Um, well, I think that's one of got kind of something we, we talked about, but I just want to go back to it. Um uh, I, the offensive game plan initially, the first 20 plays scripted by Sark. Um, I like I said, I don't think, and I've been watching a lot of sark film especially here in his time in texas i don't think we've seen a more creative first scripted 20 plays it, it is as much variety as we've ever seen like i said in that's first just the quinn ewers plays which were i don't know i can go look at it maybe first 20 25 plays or whatever Uh, guys, we saw 30 personnel. We saw six offensive linemen package or big 12, whatever you want to call it, jumbo 12. We saw two tailback sets with 21 sets. We saw empty, empty sets, empty formation. Um, Like I said, two tailback sets, 12 personnel. There was a screen. There was misdirection, condensed sets, bunch formations. It was, like I said, as a football junkie and a football theorist, I wanted to see Sark's Innovation and creativity really shell shock Alabama. I think he did early on. I think he did, and he put them on their heels, making him a lot less predictable, making them very unpredictable as to what formations, personnel packages they were going to throw at Vama. Obviously, when Quinn Ewers goes down, a lot of that changes. But go watch that first, you know, few plays with Quinn before Quinn Ewers gets hurt. When he gets hurt, second quarter was it mid second quarter? Uh, first quarter. First quarter. I mean, the end the first quarter, yeah, it was remember? the
0: first quarter because uh Bijan ended up scoring a touchdown to start the second with the card at quarterback. Okay,
1: so yeah, go watch basically the first quarter of plays then, and you can tell there's a lot of belief and faith in Quinn Ewers' arm, which is what I actually thought could end up being a huge advantage for Texas. Remember, there's not a lot of sample size on and not a tape on Quinn Ewers at the college level for you to break down his tendencies, his strengths, and his weaknesses. You don't really know that kind of stuff about how he responds to different plays and adversity. You don't really know that. And I think Sark went into this game plan. If you go look at the game plan, they may have more passes than running attempts in that initial scripted plays. Um, I think he was going into the game plan believing, no, no, no they, they don't know what they're in store for. This guy can make all the throws, and I'm going to showcase it here today. When we upset Alabama and if he doesn't get hurt, I'm, I hate to say it as a long one because I feel like it's groundhog day. Last time Texas played Alabama, we were saying this, if the starting quarterback doesn't get hurt, I think they pull off the upset over Alabama. They had them
0: stymied. They had the Alabama offense absolutely stymied until they went five wides. Um, Hey, get catching people up here, Rod. Texas loses to Alabama 20 to 19 on a last second field goal uh, by the Crimson Tide. Uh, You're watching uh, On Texas Football Postgame with Bobby Burton and Rod Babers. It's part of the InsideTexas.com network uh, here that we're uh, uh, part of, uh, hosted by not only myself, but uh, produced by Matt Hutchison. Uh, And I want to ask you this. uh, I want to say this as well. I want to catch everybody up on the injuries. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian in postgame said that uh, Quinn Ewers had a bruise, or excuse me, has a clavicle sprain, and would be getting an MRI tomorrow. Also, Deshaun Jameson went out um, in the second quarter. It yeah. looked like he injured a foot, uh, did not come back, was on the sidelines, and street closed the entire second half. So we don't know the extent of that injury either. Other than that, I don't know uh, that Texas uh, got out of there with any other injuries. No no telling what the extent of Hudson Card's foot problem is, though. I mean, he he toughed it out, but Gee, does Texas have to go with the third-string QB next week if it's something serious with Hudson Carr?
1: Yeah, uh, that's interesting. At that the foot injury, we not knowing how serious it is, and I think that actually makes me agree more with your point about him being player of the game. <laughs> uh, they might have had to go to, like you said, Charles Wright, uh, Malik Murphy. I have no idea what the other contingency plan is at quarterback, but going to Deshaun Jameson. And you brought up a really good point. When Bama started going empty formation, they abandoned the run. They didn't just abandon the running game. They took it out in the backyard and buried it. All right. They they really did decide. You know, we're going to put the ball in the hands of Bryce Young. And they went empty formation a lot. And something tells me if you got Deshaun Jameson in there, um, maybe there's more you can do against those empty formations um, because he's one of your obviously most reliable uh, and your most consistent defensive backs there in coverage. So, and he's one of your best playmakers when Deshaun James is out there he gets around the ball and he makes plays around the ball that's what you needed against Alabama so that's big too and on special teams his impact is something you really can't even quantify whether it be as a returner or as a guy we saw last week with the black punt so that's big man losing that number 5 on defense uh, at least for the foreseeable future is that's it's disheartening
0: yeah and no doubt and i think that the texas fans um the question one to ask is do you put you push Jade Baron back over to corner now um, yeah. and play Gilbo. Gilbo, uh, I tell you what, his his freshman uh, side showed today, not in pass coverage, but against the run. Yep. He just couldn't – he wasn't physical enough to take on a tight end from Alabama. I mean, who would have thought it, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's a freshman. He's just not – he's not there yet from that standpoint. Uh, Barron uh, probably earned his starting job back uh, this week uh, with with that performance. I don't know what they're going to do in the secondary. Jameer Johnson came in, I thought, played reasonably well. I thought the se- secondary as a whole played well. They did. Um, and so I don't, know, I don't know that there's any need for um, knee-jerk reactions there, uh, but losing Jamison certainly hurts from a
1: playmaking perspective probably. It's, it's a beautiful thing, though, because you have so much versatility in the back end. You know, you got a safety Anthony Cook that can end up spinning down to nickel or playing corner for you. You got Keaton Crawford, who's a safety that can also play corner. Jaday Barron is a nickel that can also play corner. So it's one of the things that they manufactured a lot of depth when they decided, you know what, we're going to cross train a lot of these guys in the back, seven. As long as they can cover, as long as they can, you know, cover man to man, that's really what we need. So I actually like the fact that, They have so much versatility in the back end. You can move Jade Barron there. Uh, You can decide, you know, maybe Jalen Gilbo is a better coverage guy. And you will say, you know what? If there's less run responsibilities for you at at corner, so we're going to put you at corner, leave Jade Barron inside because you need him to run fit a lot of the time. So I think you have a multitude of different possibilities you can work with in the secondary. I'm with you. Based on how they played today, I'm not freaking out. I don't think there's any reason to freak out. They actually do have some depth back there. But when you do have a guy like Ryan Watts, a corner you can trust to play bump and run coverage on the outside and press man, it does help. It has a, a positive domino effect all throughout the rest of the secondary. It gives you more flexibility.
0: Yeah, it, it does. And I, I think that it, the more uh, Texas can disguise what they're trying to do on defense, uh, the better off they'll be. I did not see... Um, many of the freshmen on defense other than Gilbo, today. I didn't see Ethan Burke. Uh, If Justice Finkley got in, I didn't see him uh, as, as much either or, or at all. Um, But the, a lot of people are mentioning the offensive line, Rod. And I I think we do need to give them kudos. Um, Kelvin Banks and Cole Hudson, true freshmen. Um, Yes. Steve Sarkeesian did a good job overall um, in keeping keeping it smart in how he used the, the offensive line and made some quick throws, et cetera, even with uh, not only Quinn Ewers, but when Hudson card was in the game, yep. uh, I would have liked to see Texas gotten a little bit more going in the ground game, never really could get going. And that probably uh, was, you know, couldn't like that third and three, third and four there at the end of the game uh, mm-hmm. when Texas had the ball uh would have been nice to be able to pick it up. Probably not going to be able to do that against an Alabama defense, Uh, but overall offensive line two games into the season is outperforming expectations almost to a level that the defensive line
1: is, or that the defensive group as a whole is. Is that, is that a fair statement? um that is a fair statement because we expected especially against Alabama right their strength going up against one of your weaknesses you got two true freshmen on the O-line you know they got guys who are gonna play on Sundays on their defensive front and Will Anderson might be the best defensive player in the country and yet it was not an overwhelming advantage for alabama a- at times it wasn't even an obvious al- uh, advantage for alabama but it was in the running game and texas was not able to impose their will in the running game and you got one of the most talented backfields in the country so that does tell you that yeah maybe in the, with rush defense this this group may be a little bit behind in terms of their rate of development but I'll, i'm actually i think they're ahead though in pass protection as a young offensive line, because I expected them, and I think Sark's helping it with his game planning and the way he schemes things up. He's trying to emphasize the quick game. That's really smart. But I was pleasantly surprised with the way they held up in pass protection versus Alabama. Um, And like I said, early on, before Quinn Ewes gets hurt, they do actually have some time in the pocket to attack downfield at those Alabama corners. So I think Sark can scheme, I think last year showed it, and now I'm seeing it even more. Sark can scheme around, Offensive line deficiencies. He really can, especially when he's got a ton of talent at the skill positions, which he does. And that's what I think we're seeing that Sark's able to do. Unfortunately, now we're going to see Sark's offensive brilliance tested even more if you got quarterback depth issues as well. So um, I, I do think the offensive line deserves some praise. Give Kyle Flood a lot of credit. Two, uh, two fresh. I mean, how many, how many offensive lines in the country in the Power Five got two fresh, true freshmen on them? Two. Hey, hey, it's here's the. Got, issue. I'm gonna do the research on that, man, because that it can't be something that's really common. It's it's this
0: too, Rod. Think about this: it's not just two freshmen; it's a true sophomore, a true junior, and a senior. So they're I mean, they're literally starting three guys that that are less a year or so out of high school. Yeah. So,
3: exactly.
0: uh, you know, it's not just that for the offensive line. I want to mention this: Texas is playing UTSA next week. UTSA beat. UTSA and Jeff Trailer, they've got a de- – They he, he probably has a defibrillator. They, <laughs> they won in double overtime after a triple overtime game last week against U of H. They went in double overtime uh, today against Army, uh, 40,
1: 41-38.
0: Um, and so uh, – Holy no.
1: – this dude has had five overtimes in the last two weeks then?
0: <laughs> Man. If, if, you know, what's that mean for – He's going down now, three in the first, first week, two in the second, and now one in the last, one for Texas probably, right? I'm kidding. Oh uh, man. I, I believe that was interesting uh, to note and for people to be keeping an eye out next week uh, because there's some talk on here that I completely agree with, Rod. Can't make this a moral victory. No. Nope. It's got to be more than that, right? Because moral victories, Texas had too many of those in the last couple of years, in the last decade, really. This has to be one that you take and you build off of. You don't let it uh, take you down. Those guys that played on defense today played their butts off. The offensive line, the, the offense as a whole, played their butts off. They came up short, okay? They came up short, but they can't let that feeling carry over to next week because Texas has to get going. And has to have a good season. We brought Jerry Hamilton in earlier to talk about recruiting. Putting together two recruiting classes is imperative. The uh, catch are the, uh, the Arch Manning commitment. Uh, Cedric Baxter, the nation's top running back. John Tate Cook, a, a wide receiver. Texas had uh, Jalen Hale and Mikael Harrison Pilot at the game today. Um, so, uh, look, I feel like Texas has to be there and get it going, uh, or else – um, we can't let it be a moral victory. Uh, it just it doesn't ring right with me because if it goes that direction, then we're looking at five and I mean not five and seven, but we're looking at a game and a team that is start. We see the culture changing, but it doesn't necessarily change if they revert to form,
1: right? Yeah, they can't. They can't believe in moral victories. The fans we can We
2: <laughs>
1: We're sure. all about them. the fans are like hey man this is great Thought they're, they're the biggest underdog in a home uh texas home football history actually as was 21 and a half point underdog i believe when it was kicked off uh and they end up playing alabama down to the wire so for fans the moral victory is alive and well it's not just an aggie thing but in that locker room you're totally right they got to be about Growth they got to be about improvement week to week. Yes, this is this was this was a great effort, it was fantastic. There was great execution, it was a great game plan. Guys adjusted, you saw heart, you saw fight. Uh, it really was a great display to show the growth from a team that lost to Kansas on that same field, right? Last year, Kansas, all right, and you went five and seven. And they wanted to show the world that did not define us. That is not Texas for all. That is not who we are. And I think we all recognize that on that big stage. Hell, even Nick Saban, ton of respect. You should have saw Nick Saban after the game, man. Go look at that post game. Nick Saban looks like he's been, he's been through the washer. Like he looks like he's been worn out. And I think he was really impressed with Texas and what they accomplished there. So more victories. Yes, they exist for fans and on the outside, but in that locker room, totally right. They got to be about improvement. They got to be about getting Texas back to a standard where when I play, We won eleven games my last two years, and we were, and rightfully so, a disappointment because we had enough talent to play for championships, and we didn't. So that was the standard when I was here. And then when I came, I left it better than I found it. And then they guys like Huff Daddy and guys like Derek Johnson they took it to another level. That that's what you're trying to build. That's what you're trying to build. And you, this is a great step in the right direction. But you're right; it can't be. 2019 Texas LSU when you get all hype about that game and everything was about that game and then after that you end up regressing there's no improvement week to week you're in you're inconsistent week to week you're all over the place that you gotta you gotta get better every week and that's the point I remember last year Texas State playing Baylor down to the wire early on in the season and then Baylor goes and wins the big 12 title later on that's because the team got better week to week Right. Yeah,
0: they've got they've got to keep improving. Yep. Um, That's the how do you do it when you have one quarterback that may have a it says he has a clavicle sprain, but MRI with an MRI tomorrow, and the other uh, apparently may not have a foot.
1: <laughs> so don't you, the, don't you have the best running back room in the country?
0: Yeah, but I you know what? when you can't throw the football, eight people can stop the run. Now, <laughs> you know, let's let's be clear. That's you don't you may have the best running back room in the country, but uh, it, it's a, it's a difficult game to go to, yeah. especially um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the post game show here with Rod and I on, on Texas football is brought to you uh, by Laura Baker. Uh, Laura is an accomplished Austin realtor. She's at the Andy or she's with the Andy Allen team uh, at Keller Williams. She can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate uh uh, expert. Hey, I want to say uh, before we go, uh, Rod, over the next uh, couple minutes here, record crowd today, yep. um, over 105,000 fans. Rod, I, I remember I went to Texas when there was a track around the middle of the stadium and the fans for the would show up in the middle of the first quarter to the end of the first quarter. The, the, the students would, especially at 11 a.m. games. Because they had had a good night before, right? Yep. Um, the, the fans today, the students out there, uh, first-come, 1st first serve stu- uh, seating, I think, had a large thing to do with that, that Del Conte pulled off yep. uh, in that area. So hats off to them. Uh, but not only that, but uh, you had Will Anderson saying it was the, the loudest environment he's ever been in. Wow. Uh, the wow. the uh, defensive lineman uh, for Alabama said that, told that to uh, a reporter post-game. Uh, So just impressive uh, to me, uh, overall uh, performance uh, from just about every aspect of the team. Uh, Really going to remember this game for a long period of time. Gutty performance by Hudson Card, gutty performance by a Texas defense that's been maligned for over three years now. I mean, frankly, it's been a recurring story. Where's the Texas defense? Because we haven't had one in three years, it felt like. Yeah. Uh, Today, you can't say that. Uh, Those guys played their hearts out, uh, played hard to the whistle, uh, held a Heisman winning quarterback to three hundred and seventy yards of total offense for rushing and uh, uh, passing. Um, I just feel like uh, five of 15 on third downs as well. You know, it's uh, I feel like you could look across the board right now and say, "Okay, this there's everything to like about what we saw today. Yes, we wouldn't win, but it was everything we wanted to see.
1: No, that's a great – and it's just kind of going forward, right, looking forward because, yes, there are injury issues at quarterback now, and, and Texas has right. to move past this Alabama game. You can't let it beat you twice. you got to move past it and improve. That's a great quote uh, from one of my coaches when I played in the NFL. It always said, life and football are constant struggles deciding between what you want to be and what you need to be in order to survive, Right. And I think Texas offense, what it wanted to be, obviously, was what we saw probably in the first quarter with Quinn Ewers <laughs> at the quarterback position. Um, but if he's got an injury and then you know Hudson card has got to deal with an injury, too, uh, you might have to revert back to what you need to be in order to survive until you get back to where you want to be with the quarterback position and guys are a little bit healthy. So I will say this. That defense, if that defense is indeed legit, if the defensive transmogrification, this transformation is real and they are a legit defense that can keep Texas in game. Think about what the Big 12 has become. I mean, look at Oklahoma State last year. I a mean, ball control, defensive-oriented team. Look what Baylor had become with their RVO offense with Jeff Grimes and David Aranda, ball control, defensive-oriented teams. All right, that, that's who's winning the Big 12 now. Um, so I, I will say this if Texas, I don't know how long the injury is going to have when you were out, we don't know about that. Don't know about the Hudson Car situation, but if you do indeed have the best running back room in the country, yes, you got to improve your run blocking, that's no question. But maybe your recipe to win, you got to improve your special teams too because it's about field position, and that's going to be the case. Maybe it's about defense, maybe it's about field position. And maybe it's about ball control, not forever, not obviously just until everybody gets back healthy and you can become the offense that Sark envisions, but Hey, football and life, sometimes you got to revert to what you need to be, not necessarily what you want to be. We all got something we want to be, but then what do you need to be to pay the bills? Not be to not be on the street. And that's what Texas football is about right now. I think the defensive oriented model if it's real, and I got to tell you, against Bryce Young in Alabama, there's some substance to it at least. Maybe that's the way you go.
0: For I, a while. I, I, just for a while. Going to have to see it. Going to have to figure it out. Um, hey, I, I've got some breaking. Not I don't know. I don't want to categorize it as, as breaking news, uh, but Justin Wells of Inside Texas right now is talking to recruits as they come away from the game, obviously. Uh, big weekend in, in Austin for that. Justin's reporting uh, at InsideTexas.com. That Texas, the visit for Jalen Hale going extremely, extremely well. Um, not only did Hale, um, uh, not only uh, did Hale come in on a visit to Alabama last weekend, he visited Texas this weekend. It's thought to be down to between Texas and Alabama, although he's also visiting A and M next weekend.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: what's going on there? Justin Wells just talked to Jalen Hale and uh, said that uh, it looks like that official visit to Texas going extraordinarily well. Texas, uh, put on its best effort, uh, today. So, all right. Uh, thank you vote so much again to, uh, Laura Baker, our, our, uh, uh, po- uh post game show, um, uh, advertiser and, uh, help support this show. Uh, help me get Rod on here, convince him to do it. <laughs> he's he's always up for it. Uh, but this. Laura Baker uh, is an Austin realtor and she's with the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams. She can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Uh, Rod, I, you know, I, I appreciate your time again, man. Horns come up just short, 20 to 19. It was a good one, but just short. Uh, we'll see you uh, on Inside Texas. Uh, so for Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, thank you also to Tommy Yarish and Jerry Hamilton, as well as our producer, Matt Hutchison. Until next time.
1: Welcome.